0: Do, does America. That's hard to define. Now, which one of the Biden apocalypses we're talking about. There's a million of them going on. The border apocalypse will soon be a title of a show uh, in the near future, I believe. But we're going to start with the economic uh, apocalypse right now. And as you may know, we talked about it just a moment ago, uh, Joe Biden's Senility Now leadership, uh, which, by the way, you can get the Senility Now t-shirt at StuDoesMerch.com if you use the code Stu10. You can show all your friends that you understand the president is a senile buffoon. Uh, But uh, his Leadership is just more and more bizarre by the day. I mean, we honestly, we came up with this Joe Biden a gaffe triangle of emotion, thinking we'd use it once or twice. We could use it every single day. Like, for example, watch
1: this. I understand. That's why I've got a plan to lower the cost for everyday things that make most people who work to have, who need. And that would have fundamentally changed the standard of living if we just made things more affordable. Wait, what? I I understand, that's why
0: I've got a plan to lower the cost for everyday things that make most people who work to have, who need, and that would fundamentally change the standard of living if we just made things more affordable. These are like they're he just throws these words like again, like that one I would say is more on the sad part of the triangle of emotion. I mean, it's a little funny as well. Kind of scary, a little scary, but mostly just sad. And that's the state of affairs in our country right now. Under President Joe Biden, the whole thing's kind of just sad. It's also scary. It's not very funny. The whole situation is just pretty sad Uh, here. I mean, I wouldn't even do a triangle for this one, but you could have easily utilized it. Here's Joe Biden talking about inflation.
1: And I agree with what Chairman Powell said last week, that the number one threat is the strength. And that strength that we built is inflation.
0: The strength that we built is inflation. Here's the problem. I don't think that one was a gaffe. I don't think it's on the gaff triangle of emotion because I think he kind of means it. He has this weird thing that he thinks he's going to do to convince the American people that inflation is good. He first told you it didn't exist. Then he told you it was transitory. And now he's telling you it's good. And then he was telling you, uh, I think, uh, something about squirrels. Uh, that were he believed were in, uh, in his hair, and I, I don't. That was a different part of the speech, but uh, was it just 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 as powerful as the others. Look, the, the economy is in real trouble right now. I, I was talking about uh, this with a friend of mine uh, who you know follows this stuff closely, and I was like, "What's your vibe on the economy overall?" And he said, "Look, I think we are in for really rough times. I mean, look, they're gonna we're gonna come out of this eventually. I hope. Um, you know, the, it may take a long time." You look at even where we are, as far as uh, the, 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 the general sort of flow of an up and down cycle, and I don't think we're at the bottom yet, do you? I mean, do you look at this president and the way this is going right now, and you're saying, this is it. There, we're, it's only up from here. I don't think that's where we, I think we have a good way to go before we see the bottom here. And that is scary because so many people are already struggling. You know, look, you can't unplug an economy. I think that's a lesson that should be learned here. It's one that we were on, you know, very early obviously on this program and probably a lot of other programs you watch here on the Blaze, but in the mainstream media that was not the case. It was why don't we shut down more? Why aren't more kids not in school? Why aren't more kids uh, kept out, uh, you know, kept out of school so their parents have to stay home? Why did we open all these shops so early? It's dangerous. And at the time what happened was we spent as much money as is humanly possible to try to offset this and basically you know, uh, blur out all the real problems that we were going to have when you unplug an economy and turn it off for a period of time. And you can do that. You can you can smooth over the 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 deep drops and make people not feel the pain right away. But eventually it comes back and you do feel it. We did a show. I want to say I don't think we have the date, but it was something like in April. And this show, I want to say it was April 2020. And we had just kind of had this first mini sort of buyout package and they were talking about doing another one. And I. I did a whole show on, hey guys, like, we're, how much money are we gonna spend on this? Like, I understand we asked everyone to kind of stay home for a couple of weeks, and you can't really do that without. Uh, filling in the gaps at some level. I understand the argument here for this first one, but we're going to do another rescue package. Oh, how naive I was at the time. We wound up doing, I think, a thousand rescue packages. And, you know, look, it was uh, during the President uh, Trump's uh, um, presidency when he spent something like three or four trillion dollars on COVID. It was a much more defensible, understandable uh, expenditure as, as opposed to what we've done since Joe Biden came in. But, I mean, we were at a point where Joe Biden uh, had his own advisors saying, hey, don't do this, we do not need to spend another $1.9 trillion. You already got the the vaccines out there. You got treatments out there. People can go back to work here. We don't need another $1.9 trillion. This economy is going to get overheated already. Now we're seeing the ramifications of all that. Another trillion dollars, which, by the way, was a bipartisan bill that went through on infrastructure, is another cause of all this inflation. And it's just going up and up and up and up. And now we're seeing the markets say, uh uh-oh you know Jerome Powell who's a guy he's kind of an acolyte um, of Volcker from back in the day he saw what happened in the early Reagan days and looked at it positively and and look in those days raising rates was the right thing to do may very well be the right thing to do now but we're going to pay a price this, this this is painful when they do this they're going to be raising rates these markets are going to uh, are going to pay a lot of people are going to lose their jobs we're in for what seems to be a pretty rough cycle here all the markets are down and we're getting what is apparently now just an American tradition that every time cryptocurrency goes down, everyone says it's the end of the market. I will say this part of it kind of makes me smile because people are now be- blaming Matt Damon. Now, <laughs> look, Matt Damon made a commercial where he was on like a space station and he's walking through. This is for crypto.com, I think it was. And he's walking through and uh, he's saying, Fortune favors the brave, I believe it is. And first of all, I mean, look, you got to be brave to get into cryptocurrency, but I don't know that we need to encourage more people to just go crazy and bet money on crypto. There's enough people doing that already. That's already part of the culture. Um, So, but, you know, crypto.com arena, they're spending all this money on, uh, on Matt Damon. And I will say, uh. Even more offensive is they also gave LeBron James a big Super Bowl commercial, which is the worst thing anyone has ever done, obviously. Uh, I will say, you know, and I've said this before on on the Twitters, I follow Crypto.com. I'm a customer of Crypto.com. Um, and have been for a, a while they appear to be in a death spiral I <laughs> is, I have no inside information on this but I will say they're changing all their rates they seem to be trying to chase away large cu- customers from their platform uh, they uh, they are they're making it impossible to utilize it uh, and they just they're doing what I remember MoviePass doing, where like, it was like, oh, you guys can see as many movies as you want for $9.95 a month. OK, you can't see as many as you want. How about three a month? That'll be great, $9.95. How about two a month for $12.95? Is that OK? Well, you can't see any movie, obviously, at any theater. How about you can see one movie at this theater at 3 in the morning once every three months? That's our final offer. And uh, oh, we're out of business. That was kind of the MoviePass story. Crypto.com seems to be going through the same type of thing right now, which is pretty scary for people who have been there for a while. You know, there's a lot of promise here, but I do like the fact that everybody's blaming Matt Damon. The only thing I would complain about is start blaming LeBron James. Because he's at least as responsible, probably more, because he's LeBron James. I want to go through a little bit of this on the crypto side, though, to keep things into perspective a little bit. One of the complaints, of course, is every time crypto goes down, we get this flurry of headlines about how, you know, crypto is dead. Here we go. Bloomberg, the crypto winter, winter is here. Guardian, NFT scams, toxic mines, and lost life savings. The cryptocurrency dream is fading fast. Crypto is imploding. Here's all you need to know. Uh, Financial times. The sun starts to set on the Wild West days of crypto. We'll have more on that coming up later in the show. Lehman moment for the crypto market. Experts say 90% of tokens may be wiped out. Wow, that's a hell of a prediction. And of course, the spectator, crypto is dead. Look. Cryptocurrencies are very, uh, uh, very up and down. Okay, we've seen this. If you've been in this world for a while, you're very familiar with this process. There's ups and there's downs. The ups seem to be higher than the downs over time. I don't know if anyone's noticed that, and apparently not. And what they're doing in the media right now is for some reason, they see something that's decentralized out of the hands of the power of government is not regulated. They can't allow you to enjoy it. So what they're going to do is call it dead every single time. They called it dead Many times before even the 2017 bubble and certainly after in 2018 and 19, they called it dead over and over and over again. And, you know, here it is. It's still much higher than even the peak of that bubble. I mean, it's really amazing. But I thought we'd look at this real quick, because if crypto is dead, uh, sure, you can look at the absolute peak when Elon Musk is on Saturday Night Live and everyone's at the very highest Point of a, a very hyped-up market and say that people have lost money. Yes, if you bought money on that day, or if you bought crypto on that day, yes, you've lost you've lost some cash. I feel bad for you. I hope you didn't put in more than you can handle. That's always the advice I give everybody on crypto. It's very, very up and down. It's very volatile. Uh, the ups are fun. The downs suck, especially if you buy really, really at the worst possible point. But I decided let's look back for for a second and compare a normal set of investments, the Dow Jones, compared to crypto and what that would mean to you looking back because everyone's telling you this is dead. Well, how is it, How is this working out for people overall? It's been a tough you know, six months to a year for cryptocurrencies. So let's look at this a little bit. If a year ago you put $10,000 in the Dow, today you would have $9,630. You'd be down, but just a little bit if you put that 10,000 in Bitcoin, you'd only have $8,500. So you would be down more than you would be in the Dow if you invested the equal amount of money of $10,000 um, about a year from uh, your previous of today. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, you'd be down a little bit, but maybe you'd be okay with that type of risk. I don't know. Let's not just stop there. Let's not stop at the peak and the highest point and compare it to today. Let's take it back a little bit more time. We keep hearing over and over again that Bitcoin is failing because Bitcoin uh, is supposed to be an inflation hedge and it's not working. Well, let's go back to the beginning of this inflationary period, which, of course, starts right after the downfall uh, of the economy from crypto. And as it's bouncing back two years ago today, if you invested in the Dow two years ago today, you'd make a pretty good return. $13,400. So you're going from $10,000 to $13,400. That's a good, solid return. If you put that same amount of money in Bitcoin, however, you would have $33,500. Well, maybe I just picked a fancy period for Bitcoin, right? I'm I'm a Bitcoin guy. You know, I like the crypto stuff. So maybe I picked the best period possible. Let's go back a year before that, uh, three years ago. If you put $10,000 in the Dow three years ago, you would have $12,700 today. Uh, You know, it's an okay return, you know, not not bad, but not super impressive. If you put that same money in Bitcoin on the same day, you would have $35,900, again, it seems to be working pretty well for a lot of people who have decided to stay in it for any period of time. How about four years ago? Let's go back to four years ago. If four years ago you put $10,000 in, in the Dow, you'd have $13,300. Again, that's not a terrible return. It's better than keeping it in a bank account, certainly. Nothing wrong with money in the stock market. However, if you put that in Bitcoin, you'd have $34,600. Again, much, much higher, almost you know, three times as much money. Let's go back five years just to see how that one goes. Five years ago, you put $10,000 in a Dow, you would have $15,800. Again, you made some money there. Nothing wrong with making some money. However, if you put that same $10,000 in Bitcoin, you would have $144,200 if you just stayed in it five years. Yet every piece of coverage about crypto is about some scam project or some failed project or how crypto is dead. How many times do we have to tell the same story? Does anybody believe these people anymore? You know, we're seeing this story play out in the economy because of massive failures from this president. And we could go through his entire presidency and it's hard to find any successes. I can't find one. I can't find one. That's why they like this abortion thing so much, because at least it's something. At least their base is with them on this. Their base is not with them on inflation. Their base is not with them on any of this stuff that's ruining their lives. The Fed now is confronting why it may have acted too slowly on inflation. This is a story we talked about over and over and over again. We said inflation is here. They said, no, it's not. We said They said inflation is transitory. We said, no, it's not. And now they've just admitted it. And everyone's supposed to just move on. Well, we're not going to move on. We're going to keep pointing it out and we're going to make sure that people are held responsible or do everything that we can to hold them responsible. And now there's a new political approach from the president who realizes, okay, I got nothing. His most uh, popular policy right now is helping Ukraine, which, again, is not going particularly well. I mean, I guess it's going better than Russia overrunning the entire country, but like, this isn't exactly a success story. They were totally wrong uh, every step of the way on this thing, and that's their most popular policy. This is why they're going to the abortion thing so hard. But this came out, it said, uh, Biden to blast Republicans as having no plan on inflation. The party that's out of power has no plan on the thing they said would happen if you passed $2 trillion of spending and you did it anyway, and that's their fault somehow? I, I, I tweeted, I feel like this is the picture that they showed, and it's just Biden kind of staring out into space and probably thinking about ice cream, but I kind of picture him saying, like, what if, follow me on this, uh, what if we say they have no plan on inflation? It's just embarrassing at this point. And I've said this before, and I will say it again. I am not the person who came into the Biden presidency with a lot of optimism. I did not think Joe Biden would be a good president. I didn't think a lot of the things he promised would come true. I didn't think he'd be a uniter. I didn't think he was a moderate. I didn't think he was competent. I didn't think he'd do a good job. But even with those expectations, it's almost impossible to quantify how terrible he has been at every aspect of his job since he walked into that building. It's it's incomprehensible to to attribute this to some sort of incompetence. I don't know. He couldn't be more incompetent than he is. And it might be worse than that. Honestly, when you look at his policy on the border, it looks like he's intentionally trying to destroy the country. I, it's, it's hard to look at it any other way. I didn't think he'd be a good president, but holy crap. There's a new poll out today about inflation. 28% of Americans approve of Joe Biden's handling of inflation, And you might say, gosh, how did he get that number so high? <laughs> and that would be completely an understandable instinct. What I thought was, is it possible that 28% of Americans don't know what the word inflation means? Because that's the only possible explanation why you would approve of what Joe Biden is doing. And what's hilarious about this poll is that 28% isn't his worst number. His worst number is actually gas prices, and that's at 27%. So there's 1% of people who are like, look, he's really screwed this up with gas prices. But inflation, you know, I think he's doing a pretty good job. What's fascinating about this is there's a, there's a way you handle crisis as a president of the United States. And, you know, the master class in this honestly was Barack Obama. And what you do when you are coming out, you're in the middle of a a crisis, he's in the middle of a financial crisis, and we're now like three, four years in the financial crisis, and everyone's like, gosh, aren't we supposed to bounce back at some point? Like, it wasn't, isn't this America? Like, we're supposed to come back after a recession, it's not supposed to last forever. And he would just continually say a version of this. Look, yeah, I know things suck right now, but Bush, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Remember that guy? <laughs> uh, he sucked. I'm doing the best I can with a bad hand, right? This is a terrible, terrible situation. I, was, I inherited this from Bush, and it's Bush's fault. It's not mine. I could run this show until the year 2029, 2035, 2085, and it would still be Bush's fault. That's the way he handled it. It's not really the way Joe Biden is trying to handle this though. He's doing something completely different and it's perplexing to me. Watch Joe Biden try to talk to you about the state of the economy.
1: Part of the reason I ran for president is because I was tired of trickle down economics. It doesn't work. Does it doesn't work. My plans are produce the strongest, fastest, most widespread economic recovery America has ever experienced. What? with record jobs, new record small businesses and wages rising. What are you talking about? It's the foundation for an economy that works for working families.
0: You don't believe that, do you?
1: Because of that foundation, we're better positioned than any country in the world to overcome global inflation that we're seeing and reach a new chapter of stable and steady growth. Are we? So let's come together and focus on what's matter, on what matters. On what's what? Let's build on the extraordinary progress we've made. Let's continue to build this economy from the bottom up and the middle out. When that happens, everybody does, well, including the very wealthy.
0: Oh, you see, he cares so much about the very wealthy. He cares about everybody. Maybe not you, but he cares about everybody else. Let's put it that way. Uh, did you get the tone of that, though? That tone wasn't, wow, we gave our help, we were dealt a really bad hand and we're doing our best. I know it sucks right now. We'll get through it. But, you know, really, it was Trump's fault. That's not what he's doing there. He's just telling you... It's great. Like he's just said, you know this con- continual series of catastrophes around you all the time since I showed up into the, into the White House? All that's wonderful. Everything's going great. You can't imagine it being better. I mean, he really said it was the most widespread economic recovery American America has ever experienced. Does it feel like that to you? This is insanity. Here he is again. This is uh, from, I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence. It's from April 1st, but listen to this bizarre telling of our economic
1: history. Over the course of my presidency, our recovery has now created 7.9 million jobs. More jobs created over the first 14 months of any presidency in any term ever. And that's striking. Uh, It
0: is, it's like you've been, you've been struck in the head with a brick. To believe that, that's, it's that kind of striking, but I don't think it's, I mean, does anybody believe that? You, you have to be insane to say that in front of somebody. Isn't there an internal part of you that says, oh gosh, this feels weird. I know I'm lying right now. Isn't there any part of you that has that? I mean, I, I know if you're ever like fibbing to someone, you're telling your kids something that's not 100% true. You have that weird twinge inside of you. It's like eh, I don't, I'm a little uncomfortable right now. Biden doesn't seem to have that whatsoever. To be able to say that in front uh, of, of of a, of a crowd and to, a, to a press that's supposed to be, in theory, skeptical of you has got to be difficult to do, but he just powers right through it. He's got those Hunter Biden genes now, doesn't he? Um, this has been a bizarre, bizarre last couple of years. And We were told sort of at the beginning that inflation wasn't real at all. And then we were told it was transitory and now we're told it's super duper transitory. Like it's transitory to the point of at some point, in the next 50 years, it might end. That's the transitory we're talking about now. And the gas prices thing has been something that has affected presidents forever. For I mean, I remember back in the George W. Bush presidency when his prices got a little high, everyone started freaking out and it sunk his approval rating into the 20s. Uh, Barack Obama comes in, no one seems to care about gas prices again. Donald Trump leaves office with gas prices very, very low. And now they've gone up and up and up and, No one seems to really care. (laughs) I mean, uh, until recently, the media has not shown much interest in this at all. In fact, they were justifying the idea that it could never happen. I mean, look at this headline from the uh, this is from The Washington Post. Uh, Conservatives predict gas prices will spike under Biden. Experts say those fears are overblown. This is from late 2020, I believe. Is it uh, 2020? Yeah. November 12th. 2020. So right after the election, people saying, oh, gosh, these Biden, uh, Biden is going to become president and and the gas prices are going to go crazy. Well, they seem to be right, though. That's not what The Washington Post was saying about at the time. They said it was a dubious meme. A dubious meme has emerged online in conservative circles. The price of gasoline will spike because Joe Biden is taking office. Do you believe it, boys and girls? Could you believe that anyone would think of such a thing? And yet here we are. And this has been a constant refrain from... Uh, Biden since he got in. It's not necessarily saying things used to be bad and we're sorry, they're still bad, but they're getting better because I'm, you know, I'm a great president. It is a totally different thing. It's basically telling people what you see with your own eyes is not real. Don't believe your lying eyes. You remember this one from July, uh, planning a cookout this year? Catch up on the news. (laughs) According to the Farm Bureau, the cost of a 4th of July barbecue is down from last year. It's a fact you must have heard. (laughs) It's get it. Hot dog. The Biden economic plan is working, and that's something we can all relish. (laughs) Get it. Uh, By the way, they said the uh, cost of a July 4th picnic was down 16 cents. Year to year. And we were all supposed to celebrate that. But I want to direct you more specifically to the tweet itself when they said the Biden economic plan is working. And the evidence for that was a 16 cent drop in the July 4th barbecue. Now, we all know it went way, way up after that and was a complete embarrassment. But. I guess this is what you're supposed to take. Then we have this one from the Democrats. Twenty seven point five million bottles of baby formula are coming from Australia to the United States. Thanks, President Biden. Yeah, you did it, big guy. You know, the thing we've all taken for granted that we can feed our infants. Wow. Some of people might continue to be able to do that. Because you took extreme uh, action and used a bunch of our money to make it happen after you blew up the entire market for this product and continue, by the way, uh, to eliminate the uh, the the overflow from other regions on Earth who are not having this problem at all. This is like an America, uh, America only. See, we're the best top of the list, biggest baby formula shortage in the world. Congratulations, everyone, we're setting all sorts of new records. And then we had this one, which was always fascinating to me, on gas prices. U.S. A form, uh, regular, uh, regular all-formations gas price, uh, from again, the Democrats, who say, thanks, Joe Biden. And you see this chart, and it goes from $3.40 over a two-week period down to $3.38, a two cent drop per gallon and they zoomed way in on this map and they wanted to make sure you saw that two cent drop. So we decided to do a little bit here, a little, a little bit to help the Democrats. People say we're not you know, bipartisan. We wanted to help the Democrats here. So we decided to make the entire chart for them and expanded a little bit. So here is the old school chart. This is what it used to look like. The two cent drop uh, for in November, um, back in November, 2021. And then we kind of followed it into the future. How did this wind up turning out this prediction that it was Joe Biden's economic plan that was helping these gas prices? Right, mean, it looks kind of like this. Uh, looks up a little bit it's not exactly a straight lineup though Uh, first of all let's show you the period which the democrats highlighted there it is that is your thanks joe biden part of the graph let's see it right here thanks joe biden there it is yes look at that little sliver (laughs) the down two cent part of that graph, and since then, it's been up just a tad. It's so hard to see, and if you can see here as well, the Putin price hike, now remember, you know, they've been saying the Putin price hike forever. If you look at this chart, if you happen to be viewing on, uh, on YouTube, I'll tweet this as well, at Studos America. But you can see there was a Putin price hike. The straight upward side of the mountain did go a little higher, a little faster, then came back to Earth and has been continuing to go up ever since. There was basically, No extended Putin price hike. It went up by a few cents over a couple of weeks, a little earlier than it would have uh, normally. But I mean, this is an embarrassment. This is an embarrassment. And everyone should know it's an embarrassment, including Joe Biden. You know, here's a guy who's supposed to be, I think, the leader of the party, a politically aware individual, and yet he just keeps pushing down this road where. Everyone in his administration must be saying, Joe, this is not working, but he keeps trying it anyway. Look, the truth is Joe Biden is old, old school. He's old school. That's what I meant to say. Sorry for the pause. He's old school. He has been around the block a few hundred billion times. And he thinks he knows how all of this works. Democrats have been in office before and things have gone wrong before. There's nothing new about that. It seems to happen almost every single time. And Joe Biden knows every time a Democrat gets into office and does a bad job, the media is there to rescue them. After all, their goals are roughly the same. And even if they're not exactly aligned, we can always agree that those evil Republicans certainly cannot be allowed to control things. But here's the here's the thing. Those are the old days. Part of this has to do with the rise of digital media and the fact that they've lost the stranglehold on information. But honestly, like while I would love to give Blaze TV the credit here, we can only do so much. We could do more, of course, if you'd like to subscribe, blazetv.com slash Stu, promo code DEBUNKED. That will save you 20 bucks and help us do our part. But Joe Biden's problem is not the Blaze. His problem is, that the mainstream media are really good at spinning democratic failure, but these people are not magicians. Joe Biden is simply too bad at this job. The media can spin you out of a little corruption, See Biden comma Hunter. They can make things that are going a little poorly, seem like big time wins, but they can't spin their way out of this, it's too noticeable. It's smacking people in the face every single day. When a family goes to fill their tanks at this California gas station and they see this, 9.46 for regular, 9.76 for premium, and that premium's not even the full 93 octane, by the way. That's just 91. 9.76. When bread and eggs and meat and electricity and housing and transportation and everything else is up, 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 up. There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. The media can't run interference for your societal collapse. They're not Marvel superheroes. And yet, Biden is out there saying things like, we've added more jobs than anybody in the past year than anyone in history. Do you really think people believe that? Everyone remembers COVID, Joe. Everyone remembers when people like you were actively telling them they couldn't go to work. Everyone remembers the old restaurant they used to love going uh, to get food on a weekend that is now closed down because people like you said no one could leave their house. Everyone remembers when business owners who tried to open up anyway were getting arrested for opening their doors and people like you, Joe, were standing by and cheering it on. Comparing the job gains from the middle of the pandemic, which was caused by people like you destroying all of the jobs, this is not a winning argument. It is a desperate argument made by a desperate party looking at what must be and might be the biggest wave election in a generation. And it's Joe Biden saying, just stay the course. The media will have our back. Don't worry, guys. Well, they probably will have his back. But Joe Biden is such a bad president that it's not going to be enough the left has built a structure of protection from the media that was supposed to survive any storm. It took Hurricane Joe Biden to finally destroy it. Joined now by Jackie Daly, host of The Jackie Daly Show, which is a convenient title for her particular name. Uh, It's right here at Blaze Media. Of course, don't miss that. You can check out the podcast every week. Jackie, how's it going?
2: Going well. Fantastic. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Can we start with the war with Russia and Ukraine? Before we get into the because you're you're an energy expert, we could I I think that's what's hitting people at least most right now until the missiles actually start flying above the polar ice caps. That's what's hitting people right now in America the most. Before we get into the effects of what this is going to mean for us in the long term, the war itself. You know, a lot of times it's presented in the media as something that just there's inertia there. This is going to happen. There's nothing we could have done to avoid it. Is that true?
2: There are about a thousand and one things we could have done to avoid it (laughs) and to prevent it. And so, I mean, the first issue is why now? Why? Because he has a leader here who he knows is not going to hold him accountable. Mm -hmm. You can you can feel and perceive the weakness from across the airwaves. It is palpable. They know there's no leadership. Um, Second, he's flushed with cash because energy prices are so high. And that is because we have strangled our own energy production here. We have to understand this is a world market. So when we produce as much as we typically would, if we had a good policy, it's higher than Russia. Mm -hmm. We're an entire other Russia. We're we're as big as Saudi Arabia. Right. And that keeps the prices low. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, and so that keeps the prices low. Um, and you saw that happen, I mean, during the Trump years, he hit the accelerator as hard as he could yeah. on American energy. Mm-hmm. That's a big problem yeah. for OPEC, for Russia, for any petro state. They need money. To make their budget, they need high oil and gas prices. That's all they have yeah. To make their to stay alive, to mm-hmm. not default. And so when we strangle ourselves, we constrict the supply, prices skyrocket, He's loaded, and he can afford this. War is expensive.
0: It is very expensive, and especially yeah. he has so, you know, with the steps that we've taken as far as cutting him off from the global economy, this stuff can get harder. We saw some of this this week where, you know, Poland, Bulgaria, <laughs> he's going to cut off from from gas because they wouldn't buy in rubles and, and, and all of this. But, like, it strikes me as this, this point where we see over and over again, the media tells us that the Biden administration is not doing anything to hold back energy uh, supplies. This is actually a problem with the oil companies themselves. They're so greedy that for some reason they don't want to use (coughs) their leases. These arguments don't make sense to me together. What is the truth with it?
2: If they were greedy, they would be taking advantage of these sky-high prices right Right, now and selling their oil right now. (laughs) Typically what they do is hold back and not produce when the price is low, Mm -hmm. saying, we'll hold this barrel until the price shoots up Mm -hmm. and then we'll sell this barrel at a much higher price. The prices are huge right now,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, so we're around a hundred dollars a barrel. That's great. They only need higher than about 50 or 60 to make a profit. Mm-hmm. And this is almost as good as it gets. I mean, it, it does get higher in times of war uh, right before the 2008 crash, for example. Right.
0: Yeah, hit 140 or 47. Right? Yeah. Wow.
2: Yeah. And the Saudis would not help, by the way.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, our president said, please turn on the spigot. You know, Bush has had this long relationship with Saudis. that didn't matter. They told him to pound sand. Mm-hmm. So that just goes to show they're not really our allies, even at the most critical moment. Oh, we should have known. not since the 80s or well, uh, somewhere between the 80s and now. Yeah, it's been dashed. But the point is that um, there's so much we could be doing. And most of what the Biden administration does to constrict energy supply, you'll never see because it's happening in the federal agencies,
0: Wait, so explain that because because they make it seem to their own voters that they're doing everything they can to restrict right. oil because it's right. so evil for global warming. And right. then they come to the American people and they say we're doing nothing to 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 hold this back. So what they they're they're walking some middle line here. What are they doing?
2: So I I had a group on my show called Western Energy Alliance and they laid out 80 policies of the Biden administration that are choking oil and gas 80. 80. And I'm sure that's just a sampling because there are about 17 federal agencies, um, that regulate oil and gas in one way or another, not directly, but for example, the department of labor and the securities and exchange commission implement policies whereby they want to go woke with ESG investment criteria. Mm -hmm. And to, to make that real, what it means is, um, when department of labor regulates ERISA retirement plans, They're going to say, oh, you need to be divested out of oil and gas and coal and firearms manufacturers and payday lenders and people like that. Mm -hmm. And you want a better ESG score. Right. You want to really it's really a wokeness score is what it is. There's no definition for it. Right. But environmental,
0: social and governance governance is ESG. But, you know, it really is sort of this undefined new world.
2: Right. So this is the federal government saying our policy is to divest from oil and gas. Period, and that is really what it means. I don't care how they try to dress it up. Trump reversed that policy, and you know Biden immediately reversed it back mm. uh, to the Obama policy. That is so much money, and if you start starving the oil patch um, of money, which Wall Street is doing this too, because they believe that's where the governments are going when they're giving these scores on environmental, they're they're looking into a crystal ball they don't have and saying. Will this industry be regulated out of existence in the future? If yes, I'll give it a low score and we're not investing in that. And that's their justification. But why are they saying it? It's because the governments are signaling so hard. You heard what Biden said. We're going to end fossil fuels. Like, look in my eyes. We will end fossil fuels. They're believing him. And uh, now the the truth is that would never happen. Only in the free countries can political pressure be brought to try to do that. OPEC's never gonna stop, right? Russia's never gonna stop. Um, I mean, there are, uh, yeah, China has oil too. Mm -hmm. There, There are dozens and dozens of countries that produce oil. Most of them are not free. They are tyrannical dictatorships and they're not gonna go green. What's gonna happen is we're going to choke our own and those bad actors will take that market share. That's what's going to happen.
0: We're told that the solution to this, though, is to is to go green, to get your electric car. Uh, You know, Biden was talking about, hey, just get an electric car and you'll save, you know, seventy five dollars a month or something on gasoline. It's going to be a wonderful thing. This, though. And it's hitting not just it's not just Tesla, too. I mean, like GM is saying 2030, they're not going to be making any more gas powered cars. You know, all these companies are saying this at the same time. Are they just trying to plead, uh, please the ESG gods? Yes. Is this is this really yes. going to happen?
2: No, because there, there literally is not enough lithium in the world to make that transition. There's not enough um, cobalt. There's hmm. not enough of any of the rare earth elements that we need or other elements to even create that many batteries. Like the math doesn't work, it's not there. Mm. It's completely not there, even just for the U.S. transportation sector. And keep in mind, when we're talking about transitioning, break it into three parts. There's the transportation sector, Mm. there's electricity, and then there's petrochemicals. Well, I mean, wind and solar only really give you electricity. You get electrons off of those. Mm -hmm. But you don't run cars on them unless you have batteries, but we can't make enough of those. It's not physically possible. They will never make petrochemicals, which is a huge part of what oil and gas does for us. So, everything in this studio is made from petrochemicals, oil and gas. We're talking about plastics, electronics, vinyls, pharmaceuticals, your clothes, this—I mean, everything: paint, uh, polyester, um, everything. Yeah. And so we don't have modern life. We don't have PPE. We don't have modern sanitation without petrochemicals. That's oil and gas. So I don't care how many wind turbines you build, and, right. and <laughs> it yeah. doesn't matter. And it's intermittent, so we saw what happened in Texas. I mean, Texans know better than anyone. We lost hundreds of people in that storm uh, in February 2021, and no one talks about that. Hundreds of people. We were four minutes away from complete grid collapse. Yeah. And wind and solar were no-shows. They were not moving, and people say, well, it's because they weren't winterized. It wouldn't have mattered even if they had not been frozen the wind wasn't blowing and the sun wasn't shining through the storm you still wouldn't have power this is a bad plan
0: and so what does this do for cost because you know we have of course the war going on we have uh, all, you know all the disruptions with the pandemic and everything else around, around the world we've seen uh, prices go up have we felt the impact of this already? Is it priced in or is there more to come?
2: There's way more to come. This, I mean, I, I really don't like being the bearer of bad news. Mm-hmm. I mean, for most of my time on, in media, it was always good news. Yeah. Uh, the good news of American energy, like making it cheap. And you, it's like having $3,000 extra in your pocket when energy prices are good. Um, there's so much great news, but this is really bad news. And I mean, so bad that I would say literally plant a garden. You know learn to hunt, learn to fish. This is going to be, I mean, like mm. for example, in the opening days of the war with Ukraine, wheat prices went up 5% a day. And so Russia and Ukraine are the two, are two major wheat producers, right. so are we. Okay, but for their part of the world, they're critical, and mm. other parts of the world they export to. Um, they're not going to have a wheat crop in Ukraine. I mean, and, and what they are producing is low quality. It's the lowest quality crop in about 20 years. Wow. So, um, but but it's going to get much worse. For example, if, if, um, if people don't realize that uh, fertilizer is derived from natural gas, it quadruples crop yield. If we're not going to have as much natural gas produced, I mean, Russia is saying their oil production will be down 17% this year. Natural gas will be too. Well, that's going to hurt too. I mean, we're not getting natural gas to where we need it. That is a problem for food production. Hmm and then we just transport food with with transportation fuel anyway. I mean, it it hits everything.
0: So much of, I think, the problem here is that it's a problem of the success of capitalism, right? Right. Where the American people just aren't, used to thinking about these things. Roger uh, Marshall, the senator from Kansas, mentioned the other day, he said, global famine is coming, it's happening. It's going to happen. Now, maybe it doesn't hit us as dramatically in the United States, maybe just our prices go up. But I mean, think of the the places on Earth that are on the verge of starvation anyway, at the beginning. This stuff hits. It's going to wipe out a lot of people in really scary ways. We don't we don't see that as a realistic possibility in the United States. That's just not how we look at the world. We're used to bounty. I mean, first of all, do you agree with that with Rogers analysis, the senator, or do you and do you think that the American people can adjust to to their thinking to be able to embrace what could be a dark period here?
2: If we can't adjust our thinking, we will have by the end of the year, we will have no choice. And I mean, this is gonna be an ugly year. I don't see, I really don't see a path. Even if the war stops today, I wish it would. The damage from this uh, will be felt for a while. We were already going in a bad direction yeah. for any number of reasons. And have you seen the stories about the dozens of, of food processing plants in the United States that have been, had mysterious fires? Um, Explosions, uh, you know, I mean, in the last few weeks, hmm. dozens of them. This is not an accident, it's not possible. It's all over the whole country and even in Canada. Something is happening. And so I, I'm not sure what it is. I, I couldn't possibly begin to sure. tell you. But I am saying to Americans be ready to feed your family. Do not wait for the government to show up and save the day because they're not going to. I mean, look at Hurricane Katrina and the people in New Orleans and ask them how the government shows up to help. Even when we had that, we had complete ability to address that situation. We're not going to have the ability to address this one completely. I'm not telling you that millions of Americans are going to starve. I don't think that's going to happen in 2022. I'm just saying you're going to face choices probably that you haven't had to face before, particularly if you're in the lower income bracket, which is where I'm from. I mean, My earliest memories are of being Indian style in the floor with the family snapping beans for hours. Mm -hmm. Like we made our own. We had massive gardens, both grandparents. And it was normal back then to have large gardens and to rely on yourself. Like our grandparents would have been far more suited for the tough times coming up. It's more like the depression. Perhaps.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. And they because they they live through it. They they understood that. I feel like I I would starve if just the Taco Bell drive through shut down. Even if you could walk inside, I probably wouldn't be able to figure that out. I need the drive through. That's kind of the American people at this point. I don't think we're ready for this at all.
2: No, most of us are not. I mean, I'm I'm from Appalachia. Mm. People there are already. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we you know, we hunt to supplement the food bill normally. It's kind of like uh, we're used to being. <laughs> <scribed> <laughs> by. Yeah, yeah. So um, and we're also used to having no air conditioning and, and that kind of thing. There are people in this country who are tougher but mm-hmm. uh, than the urban dwellers. But I, yeah, I'm concerned for people who are on a fixed income living in the cities that, that's where my, uh, if you have family members who fit that description, yeah. I would be worried about them.
0: Mm. All right. Well, we're going to have more. Uh, I know this is going to be a big issue going forward, and they're going to be talking about it on your podcast. Jackie Daly, she's the host of Blaze Media's The Jackie Daly Show. Check out the podcast. Make sure to subscribe and get all of her content. Jackie, thanks so much for
2: coming on. Thanks so much, Stu. What a time it's been.
0: You know The the Biden administration really wants you to be thinking about, let's say, January 6th right now. They want you to, that's the primetime push. You got to be talking about January 6th. It's all you should think about. Now, they had this opportunity already when they did the impeachment last time, when people were going to pay attention to what they found. Now, they took a year and a half and decided, eh, we want take two. It didn't work last time, so we're going to give it a shot again. It doesn't seem to be working right now, but that's what they want you to watch. They want you to be talking about the senators reaching a bipartisan deal on gun safety. We'll get into the details of that one coming up. As you might imagine, it's just perfect. It's a wonderful, anytime Republicans, and Democrats can come together. Mm. It's just a chef's kiss. Mwah. You know what I'm saying? Um, okay. So let's get into the economy though, because that's what they don't want you to talk about. They don't want you to realize what's going on in the economy and how bad it is right now. I, I hate being the guy bringing you scary news about the economy. I work with a guy who loves being the guy to bring scary news about the economy. It's sort of like Glenn Beck's calling card. I don't like being that guy. And in fact, most of the time, I'm a little more optimistic. Most of the time I can see, you know, that we have a pretty resilient country and a pretty resilient economy, largely because the foundation of it is still capitalism. Even when we don't Pay attention. We've passed laws that hurt that capitalism. The capitalism's always running in the background and it's hard to derail it. But I think we might be in for a pretty rough time. And something happened today that, that made me feel even more convicted in that uh, idea. And it's not a good thing. Let me go through some of this here. This is a, a bizarre approach by Joe Biden. And he's been doing this a lot lately. We've, I'm kind of obsessed with it, honestly, because we talk a lot about politics and sometimes it's just PR, right? You got some PR people, you got communications experts, they're sitting back there trying to figure out a way to present the information from the president the best way possible to basically manipulate you, right? That's the, the role of so many of the people in the White House these days. Well. This is the tactic they've chosen, and I, I don't understand it. When Barack Obama was in office, things weren't going so well. We had the worst recovery since World War II from a major recession. It was terrible. I mean, it was—you uh, looked at the stats and you'd say, "Oh my gosh, this is awful." And what Barack Obama would say is, "You know what? Times are tough because of you know George Bush, and I'm here trying to trying to help out." Remember um, uh, when they would constantly say over and over again, "They've created or saved a million jobs." not created a million jobs, which is what every president said before that. They said they created or saved. In other words, it's bad, but it could be worse. If it wasn't for me, it would be really, really bad. Now, of course, there was very little evidence to back that up, but that was their approach. They acknowledged the pain of the American people as they were going through a tough time and said, please don't blame me for it. I'm trying to fix it. I didn't buy that. The American people eh, didn't really buy it either, maybe a little bit, a lot more than me. but. At least it was a tactic that made sense. The tactic now from the Biden administration is you guys don't understand what you're talking about. Things are wonderful right now. Why do you keep complaining about it? Listen to Joe Biden with
1: Jimmy Kimmel. We have the fastest growing economy in the world, the world the world. Three times. We have 8.6 million new jobs just since I got in office. Unemployment rates down to 3.6%. We've reduced the deficit last year by $320 billion. This year we're going to reduce it by $1.7 trillion. Trillion dollars. Right. And so right. we're the strongest no economy follow and that's up. allowed us at uh. least to stay on top of and a little bit ahead of what's happening around the world. Now, if you, could,
0: if you can get through the Mensa uh, project that is uh, Jimmy Kimmel in this interview, right? Good follow-up, Jimmy. You did a great job there. Um, you could know that he's. This is obviously just him picking and cherry-picking ridiculous numbers. Um, you know, we'll go through uh, the 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 best economy in the world thing here in a second. But like, you know, we've reduced the deficit last year by 320 billion from the all-time highs from the middle of the pandemic. You know, he keeps doing well. Since I got into office, things are better. When when you got into office, we were at the peak of the Delta wave. And we had no vaccines. Very few, you know, far fewer people had actually had COVID before. COVID was still in full effect and a lot of people still had closings and we were just starting to inch out of it. He took office just as the pandemic was essentially ending. Now, he tried to keep it going for a long time and made things much, much worse. But, you know, comparing the deficit to those levels, well, of course, you guys had all shut down the economy. Of course, the deficits were high. You guys decided to spend five trillion dollars. Of course, the deficits were high. That's uh, that's what happens. And um, the we have the fastest growing economy in the world, the world, the world three times emphasis because he knows that fact so well. Well, Daily Mail has this today. The U.S. economy did see growth in 2021. Uh, figures from the U.N. International Monetary Fund show by a modest 5.7%, a figure beaten by more than 50 other countries that showed faster growth that year. But just the 50 others, I mean, how many countries are there? It didn't Rwanda didn't grow as fast, and how about that? You know, you gotta be excited about that fact. The, the truth is, of course, any growth in the last year, is coming out is just any any look. I I I would love to if my favorite president was in office. I'd love to give him credit for it. But the bottom line is, it's really hard to screw up when you spend seven trillion dollars. You're going to get some sort of economic boost out of that, and you're coming out of a recession in which uh, which was caused by COVID. A uh, you know a, a I don't want to say that. I don't want it to come off as like I'm saying the COVID thing wasn't real. It it was, but it it still was a non-economic recession, right? This was a recession because people were told to stay home. Well, if if you can't improve off of a time where no one's at work, I mean, you're going to brag about that? Really? It's hard to uh, it's hard to understand, but Biden keeps going down this road. He actually wants you to believe that the pee on your leg is
1: is just merely rain. Listen. The job market is as strong as it's been since World War II, notwithstanding the inflation. We added another 390,000 jobs last month. 8,700,000 new jobs since I took office. I mean, obviously. An all-time record. Never that many jobs in, in that period of time. was that enthusiastic Unemployment applause. rate is near historic lows. Millions of Americans are moving up to better jobs and better pay. And since I took office, families are carrying less debt on average in America. They have more savings than they've had. And we're doing it all while cutting the federal deficit by one, Point seven trillion trillion this year and $320 billion last.
0: Now, some of those are replete, repeat claims that we just beat up, but let me at least hit the part where he says, well, people have more savings and uh, they, have, uh, they have more savings and they have better jobs and better pay. Well, when you give everybody multiple trillions of dollars and you spread that out over the economy, $7 trillion, more money than we've ever spent on anything in our history. And you tell them they can stay home and take unemployment for an incredible amount of time. They don't have to return to work. In fact, people won't even let them return to work. The businesses are closed. And then you open them up and create all sorts of supply chain problems. Well, you know, it's, a, it's going to turn into a pretty good job market at that point. Half the people can just stay home because they've been—you've given them a bunch of free money—and the other half is is coming back to work in a job market where everybody, with this explosion of demand, everybody needs to hire people. So over the short term, you're going to get that bump. Of course, as has been noted multiple times on this particular program, those job uh, that are those new jobs that are coming in. Yes, they are slightly higher when it comes to pay. The problem is, of course, that inflation is outpacing that. So if you get a 5% raise, but inflation is 10%, do you feel good about that? Do you feel good about it when you get a 5% raise and your gas is up 100%? Does anybody like that? Does anyone make that trade? I mean, I guess Joe Biden would. It's absolutely ridiculous what he's trying to do here. Um, They are trying to say, however, that things like gas prices... They're trying to have it both ways on that when they came into office it was with a pitch to win the democratic primary that they were going to be super tough on fossil fuels that they were going to change uh, the entire country and our energy usage that we were no longer going to be a fossil fuel burning con- country we're going to get it all out of here by 2030 all these huge promises we're going to take drastic action day one dozens of things i'm going to sign to make sure we get off of fossil fuels and then gas prices go up and everyone says hey remember all that stuff you were saying about getting us off of fossil fuels that looks pretty dumb now and their answer, amazingly, is this.
1: Am I comfortable? I mean, I certainly support the president and his uh, national security team. Uh, no one knows more about you know, national affairs uh, than President Biden. Stop it. And I would say that he is very serious when the president, when he says he's going to use every arrow in his quiver in order to bring down gas prices for Americans.
0: You know, they've done a <laughs> amazing. First of all, congratulations to her for saying that with a straight face. That was not easy. I have to imagine she was just cracking up the second the camera went off. But you can't say you're doing everything you can to get us off of fossil fuels and then the next day say you're doing everything you can to lower gas prices. That's not true. The way you lower gas prices in a real way, not a gimmicky way, not taking two cents off the gas prices, the way you do that is by increasing supply by encouraging companies to get more oil, to get more gas, to make sure this doesn't happen again in the future. And of course, these companies are terrified of the Biden administration because he came into office saying he was they were going to be eliminated because of his policies. Now he's trying to say, well, to the environmentalist crew, hey, don't worry, we're gonna stop fossil fuels and we're gonna make it impossible. And then looks the other way when prices goes up and say, we had nothing to do with that. We haven't done anything to restrict fossil fuels. What are you talking about? That's crazy. Remember, they were bragging about their gimmicky uh, gas price drop in November over a two week period from three forty to about three thirty eight. Do you remember this graph? This came from the Democrats. We showed you this last week and it is uh, it was accompanied with the tweet. Thanks, Joe Biden. Well, we decided to extend that graph so you know how this one turned out. And here we go, there it is now. Where is that thanks Joe Biden piece? Oh, here it is, that little red triangle, or uh, rectangle right there. That's when they said, thanks Joe Biden, oh yes. And by the way, that whole Putin price hike we've heard so much about. When you look at the trends here, that Putin price hike doesn't look all that impressive. You see a little bump. But it was on the same trajectory it was before. That's because Putin and his price hike, while real, have really nothing to do with this particular problem. And that particular problem is Joe Robinette Biden Jr. And yes, Robinette is his real middle name. What happened, by the way, uh, you know, because I just showed you that that was last week we gave you that chart. What happened this week. Was I hiding some big price decrease? Uh, no. The gas prices have hit a new record high. Now $5.01 a gallon, according to AAA. Uh, it's up $0.16 cents from last week. What an incredible, uh, an incredible time we live in. The national average one year ago was $3.07. I have been doing this thing, uh, you know, talking about politics and news for a very long time. And I remember Glenn and I back years and years ago, we would talk about how America is great and how you'd rather be in America than anywhere else despite all of its problems. And one of the dumb little examples we would use was imagine if you lived in like the UK where they're paying $5 a gallon in gas. And we would say that like it, with disdain. It's impossible that for that ever to happen here, right? Well, here we are, not in one place, not just in California at one gas station. Those are those numbers are ten dollars a gallon. Now, if you want to go that direction, we showed you one last week, nine seventy six a gallon in California at one gas station. But the average is five dollars. At what point do people throw their hands up and say, I can't do this anymore? Uh, This is why they want you to focus on January 6th. This is why they want you to focus on some dumb gun compromise. They want they're desperate for you to avoid what is actually happening in this country. I want to give you this. This is something um, we've talked about a decent amount. The baby formula shortage. Now, if you remember, we did a story last week uh, reporting from inside the White House where they said that Joe Biden didn't know about the baby formula shortage for a while. He didn't take any action until May. In May, he finally elevated it to an actual, you know, top-level crisis, May. I want to show you this, this is something, uh, a friend of mine who has a baby who has uh, a special uh, need for for a special formula. And this is uh, an exchange I had with him, and I want to share it with you here. Uh, we were supposed to hang out. He says, uh, hey, I'll probably need to do closer to five if possible. There's a slight chance I might have to cancel some BS recall on every single can of, the, of his baby formula, so I may be on a scavenger hunt to try to find some. Later on, text back, she found one can, so I have to be around six for me to go find more. And then updated again, I'll keep you updated as it gets closer, the one can we found is a recalled can too, so we're still searching. And the reason why I show this to you is not because, I mean, this is an experience that a lot of people have gone through now, but look at the date on this. February 18th, February 18th. This guy didn't make this a high-level crisis until May. These people were driving around the country trying to find any baby formula for months and months and months before Joe Biden even woke up to the problem. This is how bad your president is. He is a catastrophe. And of course, it's not just baby food. Rising food prices are changing the way we eat and shop, says Axios. The consumer price index for food at home is up 11.9%. This is the highest it has been since 1979 and we're probably only a month away from breaking that record. Add on to all of this today, we had a a nice little collapse in the market, 600 points in the Dow. It was down even a little bit more than that at one point. Same thing happening over in the crypto world. Bitcoin now below $24,000, which is really, really far off of its all-time highs, though it's still up quite a bit over the past couple of years. And then you go to uh, inflation, Now, we know that's eight point six percent. The U.S. uh, inflation quickens to a 40 year high, uh, pressuring the Fed and Biden to eight point six percent. And this is the really bad news uh, that I want to tell you about from today, because at some level, what Biden has tried to do is come up with every little gimmick to make this go away. Right. You have this major problem. You have to make it go away. How are you going to do that? Well, it's hard, but they need open up the gas, uh, the strategic oil reserves. They, you know, they fly in baby formula from overseas. Gimmick, 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 but nothing real. At some point, you realize this is so bad, we just have to kind of flush it and say, look, we're not going to be able to turn this around. This came out today. The Bad Inflation Report raises odds of a surprise 0.75 percentage point uh, rate rise this week. 0.75 is much more than the Fed has said they're going to do. And if that happens, it would be an admission from the Fed that, holy crap, this is out of control. We need, act, we need to act aggressively right now. If this happens, at some level, it's understandable because of inflation and all the problems that are going on. On the other hand, that, that means we're in for some real short-term economic pain at the very least. Those rates start going up like that, the markets are going to freak out like they did today. It's a major problem. Um, Let's listen to Larry Summers talking about uh, what might be coming around the corner.
1: Secretary Yellen, who has the job you once had, said this week that, quote, there is nothing to suggest a recession is in the works. Do you agree with that?
2: No, I don't. You think Um, a recession is in the works? I
0: think that when I think when inflation is as high as it is right now, and unemployment is as low as it is right now, it's almost always been followed within two years by inflation, by by recession. I look at what's happening in the stock and bond markets. I look at where consumer sentiment is. I think there's certainly a risk of recession in the next year, and I think given where we've gotten to, it's more likely than not that we'll have a recession within the next two years. You know, recessions usually are the thing that you look back at. You'd say, okay, hey, inflation, uh, recession started, it started in this month, and we know that now. Uh, we, it started in this quarter, we know that now. I think the, the reality is it's very likely that we're already in one. You know, We might not know this for a while because you have usually two consecutive quarters of negative growth, but we may be in one right now. And the only thing that might bail us out of it in the short term is inflation. That's not something to brag about, that's bad. Bad overall. Uh, Washington Post is also admitting what is true, and I think there's a there's a little bit of throwing your hands up and just realizing this is just going to be a bad year. Let's take the pain now, and hopefully we can turn it around later.
2: That's the thing that Biden, you've seen him change his tone a little bit when talking about inflation. Because in the beginning, a lot of Democrats were saying, hey, look, the economy, it's doing great. It's the best in, you know, record number of years. And people weren't feeling that. People were saying, why are you telling me it's good when all these prices are going up? So you are starting to see Democrats shift the messaging a little bit to talk more about and have that empathy. But whether that is a little too late, we're still a couple months away, but it could be a little too late for a lot of these people who are saying, we need help now.
0: Too little, too late. That is the story of the Joe Biden presidency and honestly, most of his life, frankly. <laughs> that's, just, that's just a separate commentary to the trouble that we're in. The gas prices are still maybe the biggest focus. It, all you have to do is buy an electric car though. I mean, what's the, what's the problem guys? Just buy an electric car, it's no big deal.